Highland Falls, El Paso, Clarksville, Watertown, and from other important military capitals around the globe. Eye on Defense brings the top military and defense issues into focus. Eye on Defense is proudly sponsored by Big Sarge Pre-Owned TA-50 Emporium and The Last Hope Jewelry and Pawn. And now, citizens of Earth, brace yourselves for the next episode of Eye on Defense. Defense, 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 defense. All right, we're back already. Well, we just did a show yesterday. So I'm doing another one. Today is the 4th of December, and it's uh, episode 73? No, 74. The reason why I'm doing the show so quickly is I just there was stuff I wanted to get to yesterday but couldn't get to. And uh, so there's an opportunity to do it. And I'll start off with one of the stories I wanted to get to yesterday, and that was from uh, Defense Post, which is a great site. I go to it all the time. And... Uh, it's dated 1 December. It, the author is Ender Sin Bish, who we've done stories from before. Uh, the title is U.S. Considering Ukraine Forces Training Expansion. Uh, this is a report from CNN, I suppose. So, U.S. Considering Broadening the Scope of Ukrainian Armed Forces Training, CNN Revealed Citing Sources. <clears throat> uh, this training proposal in, includes increasing the number of trainees and training them in more sophisticated battle tactics including how to coordinate infantry maneuvers with artillery support at a U.S. Army base in Grafenware, Graf, uh, Germany. Uh, U.S. has trained a few thousand Ukrainian soldiers on specific weapons in Poland since the war began, and I think we talked a little bit about that, like 155s they've trained them on, and maybe some uh, NASM stuff. In addition, the U.K. is training around 10,000 soldiers uh, on its territory, so in UK, we talked about that. I think that's more of a basic training type stuff they're doing, the UK uh, folks. Uh, then the next paragraph begins, training at a U.S. base in Germany. The proposed program seeks to train Ukrainian soldiers to operate as a cohesive military formation at a more advanced level than provided by UK, which is focusing on basic training stuff. Uh, for new recruits, kind of like uh, first aid, basic mar marksmanship, uh, things like that. Uh, let's see. The onset of winter could open opportunity for the program as the colder months is likely to cause a lull in fighting and Ukraine could send some frontline soldiers for training. And then they got a quote from this guy named Mike Kaufman, who is from the Center of Naval Analysis, Russian and Ukraine military expert. Uh, he says... The success of combined arms maneuvers hinges on supply limitations. It's a good idea. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a good idea because they, meaning the Ukraine, needs all the training they can get. Uh, and then he talks about Ukraine will not be effective at combined arms maneuver if they don't have enough artillery ammunition. I don't know what that's got to do with anything. But anyway, I think this is an important story because it's the first time that I've seen anything about I guess the term would be collective training. You hear about an individual training that they're doing. For example, you know, training a crew on uh, 155. So every every soldier would have a job. That would be their individual task. And you put them all together. It's kind of a collective task. And then UK is training them on kind of basic training stuff. So now the proposal is you bring to do collective training, meaning combined arms, where you 
uh, trained infantry tactics with artillery. And I can't see that being really individual. I wonder how they plan on doing it. Would they bring a bunch of uh, kind of like leaders over, cadres over from uh, Ukraine to train them, kind of a train-the-trainer type deal? Or would you bring over a cohort unit, for example, a whole unit, a whole platoon or a whole company or something like that? <clears throat> and they mentioned uh, it's definitely advanced training. To, to combine infantry and arm, uh, and artillery together. I mean, they could do it a few ways. Uh, they could do it, say, in an attacking type deal where uh, infantry company is going to attack an objective and they have supporting artillery and because the danger close and stuff like that. They could open up with 155s first. And then as, as they get closer, they use 105s. And as they get closer, they start using mortars and then they lift artillery fires and then kind of attack. Or they could do in a defensive scenario where they're defending and as slowly, again, kind of a concept where you go 155s and 105s and 120 millimeter and then 81s and then 60s, and kind of like that. So there's a couple of ways they could do it. And it's definitely advanced training. So it's not something you would probably want a cohort, a unit that's used to working together. To do this, this is definitely not an individual training with like basic training type stuff. But anyway, that's the first time I've seen anything like that, so it's very interesting. So I wanted to get to that yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to. Anyway, I got a second story from uh, Defense Post. This is a real good one. This one's from Joe Sabala. I know we've done stories from him. It's 2 December, Germany to provide 14 FEMAS unmanned ground vehicles to Ukraine. Excuse me, pardon me. Uh, German military Ministry of Defense has contracted two defense and technology firms to manufacture unmanned, unmanned ground vehicles for Ukraine. Uh, the agreement is part of Berlin's ongoing efforts to support Ukrainian forces needing to advance systems to counter Russian aggression. As part of the contract, autonomous systems manufacture Milram Robotics and a German firm, Cross... Maife Wegman, KMW, will partner to deliver 14 Themis UGVs to Kiev. Seven will be configured to support Kazovac casualty evacuation and are expected to, to arrive in Ukraine by the end of the year, which is coming up. The other seven will be in route clearance con configuration, kind of an engineer task, with the payloads from the defense manufacturer CNIM Systems Industrial. Uh, Kazovac and route clearance are two labor-intensive activities that will require the uh, engagement of several people who must remain in constant threat of enemy, fi <clears throat> enemy fire, says Millroom Mil Robotics Director. I'm going to leave it there. I can't say his name. Uh, the vehicles are expected to be delivered by second quarter of 23. Then the author goes in kind of a description of the Themis UGV unmanned ground vehicle. Uh, it's made by Milrim. It's a multi-purpose, multi-mission system capable of performing reconnaissance, target acquisition, rescue, and other military missions. Uh, let's see. The vehicle can be armed with weapon systems such as anti-tank missiles and machine guns to engage light armored vehicles. It can travel 50K for an, per hour for up to eight hours. 
uh, the deployment of the Themis UGV to Ukraine means that Ukrainian forces can increase the safety of their soldiers and let the U UGVs handle tasks that are immediate threat to humans. And I went to the website. Where is it at? It's an excellent website. I recommend you go in it. Millrim Robotics. And it has a nice photograph on there. And let's see. Got a description. Operational approval operally, operationally proven during several exercises, experiments, and the anti-insurgency mission in Mali. The Themis is a multi-role unmanned ground vehicle intended to reduce the number of troops on the battlefield. It's got open ar architecture, which we talk about all the time. It can be rapidly configured, and it can do all kinds of stuff. It's uh, been acquired by 16 countries, eight of which are members of NATO, including, including Estonia, France, Germany, Netherlands, Norway, Spain, and the UK, and of course the United States. I didn't know the U.S. had these. And it's got different missions it can do. Uh, you can click on it. It's got logistics, combat, ISR, EOD. It's a really good website. <clears throat> we'll click on one here. Uh, we'll go to the EOD one. Now we'll go to the combat one. It's got a picture of it uh, with a remote weapon station on it. One of them's got an anti-tank. looks like a javelin on it. I don't know if it is a javelin. I'll click on that one. Uh, let's see. The protector, they call it, is a remote weapon station from Consberg, integrated in 2017. It does have a javelin on it. So it's got a machine gun and a javelin on it. So if you go to the website, you can get a real good rundown of the Milrim Robotics Themis. And how many seven for Kazovac are going and seven for route clearance? Fourteen of them are going to Ukraine uh, this year or next year. Anyway, it's coming up. All right, let me pause right there. All right, story number three is kind of a weird story. Uh, I say it's weird. I don't know how to describe it. Anyway, the, it's from Breaking the Fence. It's from Valerie and Senna from 2 December. And the title is Poland's top general armed with suitcases full of money is looking to replenish stocks. It's got a little line below it. it says it's not a matter of money. I've got money. I've got big money. It says General... I can't say his name, but he's the chief of staff for Polish's armed forces. The biggest friction point globally is the capability of industry. Um, the article begins, Poland has big money, in parentheses, available to both modernize its military and continue supplying weapons to Ukraine. But as stocks dwindle, it needs a defense industry to step up and increase production rates. As top general said, we've heard this not from this guy, but from other folks too. We just took our suitcases with money and are going like hell, this is a quote, around the world and trying to buy, says the chief of staff of Polish's armed forces. In an exclusive interview with Breaking Defense, uh, we know the strategic objective is to support Ukraine. This is the strategic objective of the state. That was my main mission given, but due to consequences and risk, we took some stores are empty. Uh, he doesn't really go into which they are, what they are, but we can figure it out, I suppose. Uh, Poland is far from alone in concerns with its stocks, with risk creating a situation where a number of European countries are looking around for similar equipment. Uh, he wouldn't say what exactly stockpiles are under stress, 
but listed ammunition, precision guided munitions, and basic equipment as critical needs for the country. The biggest friction point globally is the capability of industry, he said, adding that defense companies worldwide need to move into a semi-wartime production rhythm to meet demands. It's not a matter of money. I've got money. I've got big money. He said, really, believe me, I've got bigger money than I can imagine at any other time in my life. Uh, and then it goes on to Polish recent list of defense purchases prove that he isn't joking. In the past couple of years, Warsaw has embarked on a massive modernization spending spree, making such moves as buying F-35 Joint Strike Fighter. In the last few months, the pace has accelerated. Uh, since the Ukraine conflict began, U.S. Uh, Poland has bought eight 64 Apaches, HIMARS tanks, howitzers, and aircraft from South Korea, and doubled down on its previous Patriot air defense system by and leased MQ-9 Reapers, just to name some of its recent acquisitions. But when asked what Poland has next in its sights, he backed off from giving specifics. Uh, it's not about toys, as he said, adding that the war in Ukraine shows that Poland and NATO partners need to think more hol holistically about what it will take to defeat Russia in a world where every person has a smartphone. And then he kind of goes on to talk about strategy. Um, what I'm missing and what I'm emphasizing, I'm terrorizing my officers, but also kindly asking anyone, think tanks, institutions, to sit down and talk about strategy. Uh, we got to make sure our strategy is sufficient. Uh, strategy doesn't like Facebook. Strategy doesn't like Twitter and other social media. And what we have to think twice. Well, what do we have a proper strategy as NATO, as a region, as a flank, and as a country? And uh, let's see, is there any more I want to talk about this? Uh, he kind of, kind of, at the end, the, this, this general compliments uh, Ukraine by saying, uh, Ukraine has been preparing for Russian aggression since the 2014 annexation of Crimea, and its top military leaders have been doing a tremendous job training officers and non-commissioned officers for joint operations, and Ukraine's political leaders are providing a university-level masterclass on how to use social media to count Russian propaganda. And he kind of calls out the Russian top general. I think General Valery Gerasimov was preparing the army for a totally different operation, he said, referring to the top military general. So he's right. Poland is all over this. Uh, we did a whole episode on Poland. And Poland is... <clears throat> kind of put their money where their mouth is. They have, uh, there's a website called uh, Notes from Poland from June 15th. Poland has given Ukraine military aid worth at least $1.7 expects allies to help fill in the gaps. It's a really good article. Who wrote it? Doesn't say. Um, it says, uh, Poland's provided arms and military equipment to Ukraine worth $1.7 says the President Duda, who repeated his calls for a country's allies to help make up the shortfall. Uh, we are giving Ukraine the greatest military aid we have ever provided any country. We are also the main supplier of heavy weapons to Ukraine. We're talking hundreds of tanks, combat vehicles, artillery, as well as drones, anti-aircraft launchers, ammunition, spare parts, and other equipment. And they're also given more government support than any other country, except for Estonia and Latvia. Even they've even given more to, than the United States.
according to this. Uh, last month, I don't want to get into that. But uh, anyway, so they've given a lot of stuff to Ukraine. They certainly have. And they've been trying to get stuff for themselves. In fact, <clears throat> this is from the show we did a few months ago. Um, it's kind of a list of all the stuff that they've bought. Uh, let's see, I got the kind of the dates and what they've bought and by who. So in August 20, just kind of recap, so you don't have to go find that other episode. Uh, in August of 22, they bought 212 K9A1 howitzers from South Korea. They spent $5.8 billion on that. In August of 22, uh, let's see, 250 M1 SEP V3 tanks, 26 M88A2 recovery vehicles, uh, hundreds of machine guns, counter IED systems, and 17 joint assault bridges from the United States were $6.0 billion. August of 22, 180 K2 tanks from South Korea, $5.8 billion. That's part of the 212 K9 artillery systems, 155, also from South Korea. Uh, 48 FA-50 light attack planes from South Korea were $3 billion. Uh, they have a letter of intent to buy 96 Apaches in September 22. Uh, value and schedule not, not disclosed. Uh, March and then now going back to March 20, they bought 180 Javelin missiles and 79 Clues, which is a command launch unit. Uh, 32 F-35As. In August 22, 500 M142 HIMARS. And supposedly they're going to buy K-239 Chunmu uh, multiple launch rocket systems from South Korea. And of course, can't forget the Patriot missiles, I think six batteries worth, which is 36 launchers in June of 22. All that stuff I just mentioned, I did the math on it. Of course, you know, my math is horrible. But uh, the math I come up with is, I think it was around $20 billion. Anyway, he apparently, this guy's got more money to spend. He just can't find a place to spend it. Anyway, that was a good story. Uh, I got one more. <clears throat> Talking about money. We'll talk about the U.S. And... Apparently, there's this thing going on called the Reagan National Defense Forum, uh, December 2nd and 3rd. Maybe I'll get into that at the end. But anyway, uh, this story is from yesterday, 3 December, uh, from Jason Katz and Aaron Mehta from Breaking Defense, NDAA, which means National Defense Authorization Act. Coming Monday, Smith pledges it will pass. The House and Senate are both expected to vote on the final bill next week. We're talking about U.S. NDAA and the Defense Budget, uh, the Defense National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, I'll get right into it. So this is from the Reagan National Defense Forum in Simi Valley, California. The National Defense Author Authorization Bill will be released on Monday, and key members of Congress are convinced it will be able to pass for a 62nd year in a row, according to Adam Smith, who is a Washington Democrat who leads the House Armed Services Committee. Let's see. It is expected that House and Senate lawmakers have settled on $858 billion top line for defense, which is $45 billion more than the White House originally requested. So the NDAA could be $858 billion. Uh, let's see. Moving on. 
The final bill is expected to vote by both chambers this month, and if passed, will head to President Joe Biden's desk for signature. <clears throat> so this is just the we're assuming, well, the article assumes that the bill is similarly passed in the law. Uh, then the more difficult fight will be the defense spending bill. So one is an author uh, authorization. That's one thing. The appropriation, that's where the real money comes in. That's who. That's where they find out what they really get. So uh, the House Appropriations Committee proposed a $762 billion top line, while the Senate Committee recommended 850 So if the NDA is 858 the appropriations people are already saying it's going to be lower than that, with the with the House saying 762, which is kind of a lot of money. Anyway, so the author is very nice and reminds us that the NDAA effectively authorized the Pentagon to spend government, while the Appropriations Committee controls how much cash is actually they're going to get. <clears throat> it was explained to me like it's like when you're a kid and you go to your father and you say, "Yeah, I want a bike." Sure, I authorize you to have a bike. And you can spend $50 on it. And then you go to your mom and say, Dad says, I have a bike for 50 bucks." And your mom says, well, how about this? I'll give you 40 bucks instead. That's kind of the way it works. So then you got 40 bucks to go buy the bike. Now, I don't know if that's a good example, but that's the one I heard. So anyway, moving on. Uh, let me read some more of the article. I should have done a better job on this. I think I, I think I should probably stop right there. Uh, I... Because there's going to be a change in Congress, I think the House is going to be taken over by a uh, this guy named Senator. Wait a second. They're going to have a new uh, House Armed Service Committee uh, chair because the, I think the Republicans are going to take power. So anyway, I think that's all we need to know is that the NDA is supposed to be passed and then it's up to the Appropriations Committee to see if they pass it. And... I think they're going to do an omnibus this year because I think we're operating, the United States is operating from a continuing resolution, which means whatever you had last year is what you're going to get this year, which is really not good for defense. So I think what they're going to do is they call it an omnibus, which means they're going to, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a money guy, but I think they're going to rope everything into one bill. And... There's a, there's a quote here that says there's a small majority in the House of Representatives, a small Republican majority next year. I think it would be really difficult for this guy McCarthy, who's going to be the speaker, to get an omnibus done after the first of the year. So it's incumbent upon us, meaning Congress, if we support national defense. And that means we need to pass an omnibus bill. So I hope I didn't confuse people. I kind of confused myself. Bottom line is NDAA is supposed to be passed soon. And we'll see what the appropriations comes up with after that. How much time do I got? 22 minutes? I got a little bit of time. So anyway, I'd never heard of this Reagan, switching gears here, I'd never heard of this Reagan National Defense Forum. But anyway, it's, uh, they have the agenda. I'll just kind of read the agenda. It started Friday. They had a course of reception by invitation only. And then Saturday, which was today, or actually yesterday, they had all these different forms. And a lot of heavy people are there. Uh, let's see. They had a a panel, all these different panels, redefining warfare. And they had uh, let's see, the commander of U.S. Cyber Command was there. Secretary of the Air Force was there. Frank Kendall they had a senator from Maine. And then the next panel was restoring strength at home. Uh, robust 
resilient industrial base. Of course, Dr. LaPlante was there. The chief of naval operations was there, a guy named Admiral Gilday. Uh, Senator Roger Wicker, senator from the United States. You, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, from Mississippi. And the moderators, this guy, let's see, the moderator was Morgan Brennan, CNBC News. The previous one I just mentioned was uh, Nancy Youssef, Wall Street Journal. So it looks like a, a journalist does the moderation. The next one was uh, Ukraine's fight for freedom. Uh, Chief, of Space uh, Chief of Space Operations, U.S. Space Force was on it. Uh, Secretary uh, Honorable Christine Warmuth, Secretary of the United States Army, and it was host. Uh, moderator was Jean Jennifer Griffin, Fox News, and they had Joni Ernst, U.S. Senator from Iowa. Panel five: I want you restoring confidence and recruiting in the military. Uh, General Berger from Commandant the Marine Corps. Let's see who else. And some senators, stuff like that. And then there's a keynote speaker, which uh, Secretary Austin was keynote speaker. So another panel, six panels, seven panels. And then afternoon break. Anyway, all kinds of stuff. A lot of heavy hitters, senators and generals. Never heard of it before. But anyway, I think you can watch it on TV. On, uh, I think you can watch it if you want. I think it's streaming. You probably, I'll probably watch some of it. Anyway. And the only reason why I brought it up is because that's where that article about the NDA came from. Uh, that's too much already. 25 minutes, that's enough for one day. So I did two shows in a row. Like I told you, I've been crazy at work. And I, hadn't able to, I didn't really get... I tried to do two shows a week. And I didn't get one in this week. So I figured I better double up. And cover all the things that I wanted to cover. So that's it. Episode 74 is in the book. I think we're on 74. Yeah, 74 is in the book. I probably went too much on the money stuff. I'm not really. It's not my my wheelhouse. But uh, anyway, it's going to be one of these days. I'll 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 beat it until it uh, it's silly and I'll, and I'll figure it out. But anyway, that's it. 74 is in the books. Thanks for all the support. If you're just joining us for the first time, uh, welcome and please come back. And if you're kind of a long-time listener. Uh, thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. And we'll try to keep doing good shows and try to keep doing rel relative content if I can talk. So that's it. 74 in the books. Thank you very much and good night.